0: Our guests this morning are Allison Perry, founder and executive director of the Central Oregon Veterans Ranch, and a very special guest this morning, Vietnam veteran Gary Bridwell. Welcome to the point, Allison and Gary, and thank you for your time.
1: Good morning. Thank you so much for having us. Yes, thank you.
0: First of all, Allison, I cannot believe it's been nearly two years since you were last on the point. Allison, for the new members of our listener family, tell us a bit about yourself and how you came to create Central Oregon Veterans Ranch.
1: Sure. So I I always introduce myself first and foremost as a military family member. That's the reason I even ended up working with veterans. Uh, my brother is a helicopter pilot, still active duty after 23 years. And he deployed for the invasion of Iraq as an attack helicopter pilot in 2003. And so a couple years later, I started working for the Department of Veterans Affairs in Portland and worked In the general mental health clinic and also on the PTSD clinical team, Louise, I was there for three years before transferring out to the Bend Clinic and um, really developed a passion for combat trauma across the lifespan and ended up having a case of a severely traumatized young man who was 22 years old. He'd been in combat in Iraq. He came home. He was drugged and sexually assaulted by his combat buddy, the only person on the planet he trusted. And then he was also having some symptoms of paranoid schizophrenia. And that was, Louise, really a paradigm shift for me when I started to see how the medical model and the institutional care that we typically provide veterans isn't always beneficial and is sometimes actually re-traumatizing. So it really it really informed this vision I had. You know, I, I looked at a colleague of mine when we we found out this young man had ended up in the psychiatric ward throwing furniture and threatening staff. And I said to her, I wish we had a sheep ranch out east where we could send these guys when they got home where they could work on the land, sleep under the stars and be in a community of other veterans. And so years later, here we are, we have a 19 acre working farm, we have agriculture and peer support programs, we're saving lives, we're building community for primarily for combat veterans, those who have suffered the wounds of war. Um, And so I'm just absolutely thrilled to be here with my good friend and uh, dear, dear friend, um, Gary Bridwell, who is a Vietnam vet that I met in the end of 2007 or or 2008 when I uh, transferred from the Portland VA to the Bend VA clinic.
0: Allison, earlier in your conversation, you mentioned PTSD. You have a different term for that. What is it?
1: Yeah, I think Gary and I were talking about that, and Gary was sharing some of his thoughts. I, I talk more now about post-traumatic growth as opposed to PTSD. PTSD is a medical diagnosis. It's, it's from the medical model, uh, which is a disease model. So the medical model looks at people, you're, you're diseased, you're disordered, you're disabled. That's the, that's the message veterans get when they go to the VA if they have trauma. So that's not really a strengths-based positive message. And there's a paradigm shift where we begin to look at traumatic experiences actually as an initiation into a different way of living, a different way of perceiving the world, and and that you can actually harvest wisdom and grow and deepen in your life and your relationships from those experiences. And this, I truly, truly, truly believe, I've been working with veterans for over 15 years now, that this stigma that we have of telling veterans that they're broken, disabled, and disordered is what is drastically contributing to their suicide rates, which are still at 20 to 20 to a day. And we have to change that. And that's what places like the ranch are about come into community, you're not broken, you have value, you have worth, you have something to offer and, we, and you have something to learn. You have wisdom to gain from your experiences and that's a very different paradigm. So yes, post-traumatic growth, I did not coin that term. There was a book actually when I was at the VA that was one of the first books that was, you know, research studies that were done on resilience and, and post-traumatic growth. And so that really is uh, a paradigm shift and that's the model that we work
2: with here at The Ranch.
0: Gary, let's bring you into the conversation. First of all, tell us a little bit about yourself.
2: Well, I graduated from high school in 1966 and then went in the Army April of 67. And by the time October came around, I had orders to go to Vietnam. And I spent uh, one year in Vietnam from October 67 to October 68. And that was... um, I was a crew chief on a Huey helicopter, which is also the duty of a door gunner. So it was, in my case, pretty heavy combat on the helicopter. And then there was not really even very much peace coming back to the the air base. Even in rest, there could be rockets and mortars and or people on base that shouldn't have been there. The Vietnamese were very good at uh, hiding in place as barbers and maids and all kinds of things are people that clean the the hooches. Uh, So there was really nobody to trust except one another. And then some of those people ended up not making it, and that was kind of hard. The other thing that I'm just kind of remembering and telling my wife the other day is we did not call each other by first names. We always had nicknames for people that we worked with and or survived with. And the reason for not calling them by their first names is we really didn't want to identify them as anybody that we couldn't lose. Kind of hard to explain for me, but it was a a real thing as far as just not being able to or wanting to get to know anybody because of the possible loss. And then the one thing that happened in early February of 1968 was the, the worst Ted offensive of the war. And that I was there then, and there was uh, it was just real chaos. It was not even describable for people that haven't seen something like that. We were evacuating and taking people and things in and out of Saigon. And it was just an exaggeration to make a point. It was like we were having to mesh our rotor blades in the sky. There were so many helicopters. I'm surprised that more people didn't get killed or helicopter crashes just by the amount of or the lack of airspace for as many aircraft that were in the sky. And again, I'm blowing it out of proportion or making an exaggeration just to make the point. It was just chaos.
1: I just wanted to make a note because I've worked with so many Vietnam vets and you were shaking your head, Louise, at that, that time, sixty-eight, sixty-seven, sixty-eight 67, 68 was really what the problem. I don't know. It might
0: have been the heaviest year of combat in Vietnam. Gary, what was it like When you came
2: home, and Uh, I
0: realize this might be difficult for you to talk about, so I appreciate you.
2: I hid. I didn't let anybody know I was home, and I actually lied about where I had been if somebody asked. What brought you out of hiding? There was a recognition in the early 90s uh, uh, for some of the younger vets that had served in, in combat, and there seemed to be kind of a shift in appreciation. So I was able to kind of start trusting people that they weren't going to put me down or call me a baby killer or whatever they said. I wasn't actually ever called that because I did a really good job of hiding out. But anyway, the shift in the community's look at veterans on the younger guys that had been serving and fighting, I started trying to trust society again. And there was a a shift in, in people's view of even Vietnam vets. And there seemed to be a little more appreciation for the service that we did.
1: Louise, can I just throw in something really quickly, too, that, um, you know, Gary, so Gary said, what was it early 90s, there was a shift, right? So, so think about that time frame of coming home in the late 60s from war, being severely traumatized, being rejected by your nation. PTSD was not a diagnosis then. So I want, to, I want to highlight that. I want to underscore that for our listeners that PTSD was not made a diagnosis until 1980. So a lot of Vietnam veterans were being diagnosed with schizophrenia, personality disorders. So, so they were actually more traumatized oftentimes coming home by how they were received and the misunderstanding. So they had no assistance. They had nobody there to educate them and tell them about how what they had been through affected them. So think about that. They had to live for, what, 20 years without any recognition, without any assistance, not knowing what was going on, suffering in silence. And this is one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about Vietnam vets, so feel like we so need to honor them and recognize them for for what they have endured for this country.
2: Wow,
0: Gary, how did you become involved with Central Oregon Veterans Ranch? What brought you
2: out there? The first memory that I have of Allison's mission and or vision was uh, her car was broke down in reno i think she asked for a ride to pick it up so i she asked me to take her down and pick up her car and on the way down she told me about her vision and i bought into it right away and uh within a year the property was bought and the vision mission had started and i actually had known allison before that she was my uh one of my VA counselors for a year or so before she quit working at the VA and started her own vision.
0: Let's talk a little bit about the ranch and about what the ranch means to Vietnam veterans. Allison, you want to jump in and maybe Gary can add?
1: Absolutely. I'll, I'll, I'll kick us off and then um, have Gary share. I just wanted to mention that the Vietnam, it was really the Iraq and Afghanistan and Vietnam vets that, that really struck me in my work at the VA for six years and my Clinical work and both of those populations were really the inspiration for the ranch and the model of the ranch. And so it's very much you know we have agriculture-related programs, peer support programs, and then as you know, we have a, I call it the three pillars. The third pillar is the program that we are still working towards developing. Which now that we have, I have seven staff members now. I started 2021 with four part-time staff starting April 1st. I will have five full-time staff and two part-time. So we've grown tremendously. We have people managing and developing the grounds. We we have veterans coming out and helping develop the property, learning, growing food, taking care of animals, meeting in peer support groups. It's it's really phenomenal, vibrant post-traumatic growth community. But the Vietnam vets, when, when I met Gary, I was facilitating four PTSD support groups, primarily for Vietnam vets. There were a few Korean and a few World War II vets. And what struck me, Louise, I was fascinated. I started to hear these veterans talk about death and dying, um, how they weren't afraid to die, but they were afraid of the dying process. How they didn't want to be around anyone, uh, not even their own families. The only people they'd want to be around were other veterans. And I, what I heard this over and over again. This struck me. I would hear them say, "You know, I just want to be like the Native Americans and go off in the woods and die alone." And I, I have to say, I fell in love with these guys. It was agape love. It was a spiritual love. I just witnessed their suffering so vividly. I was immersed in it, you know. And and so I said, I want to help. These guys die in peace. I want to help these veterans die in peace. And I want to train other veterans and younger combat veterans to companion them for them to learn from each other. And so one of the aspects of the ranch, and I'll I'll lead Gary into this, is just a sense of community and a a sense of support. When you think about going back to, like, living for 20 years with with being rejected and isolated and suffering, to having no support, no connection, that connection with other veterans is life-saving. I cannot emphasize it enough, and I think the general public really doesn't understand that just that connection, just that support – Can save lives. And Gary and I were talking a little on the break about what happened in Afghanistan last summer, what's happening in Ukraine has really ripped the band aid off for people who have combat trauma. So I think Gary can speak to that and also what the ranch means to him in those struggles.
2: Even though I met and was uh, very involved with the ranch initially, there were things that happened in my life and at the ranch that I kind of pulled back a little bit until the Afghanistan uh, debacle or the way we got out of there. It just tore my heart out what was happening Again, our government said, will never happen again. And I actually ended up having to go to the VA and the VA clinic and try to get some help because I, I was a, a basket case with the just the, the feeling or the what was happening as a, a reminder. And then my heart also went out to the young guys and thinking if what happened in Vietnam affected me like it is, this has got to be affecting them. And so that just broke my heart even more. And so I started reaching out and there was only one common denominator in my head through the VA and the VA clinic, which is a separate organization, not affiliated with the VA. They All I could really think about is Allison and the ranch and the camaraderie that was possible out there. So I came out and right away was greeted by a lot of young vets. There weren't that many older ones, which was maybe kind of a, for lack of better words, a signal to me that I needed to build a relationship with them. And that wasn't hard to do. We hit it off right away because of the common experience. And they were as upset as I was about how our government pulled out of Afghanistan. Not that they shouldn't have pulled out, but the way they did it, the, almost the same as what they promised they wouldn't do in Vietnam. So that was pretty upsetting and what kind of drove me back to the ranch. And now I'm fully committed and invested in what goes on here with not only the mission helping veterans pass, but the camaraderie of uh, all veterans, young or old. There's just such a common thread and a common respect. It's just incredible to be. Reunited. Before we leave, we want to talk about this coming Tuesday,
0: March 29th. It's National Vietnam War Veterans Day. It's the fifth anniversary since the day was dedicated. Quickly, we have Veterans Day. Why is it important to have a special day for Vietnam vets?
1: I think it really ties in with what we've been talking about, about just how much Vietnam vets have suffered in silence and not only not been recognized, but were, you know, so abused and mistreated and misunderstood when they came home. So it is our time. I mean, we've already lost so many Vietnam vets to Agent Orange related and medical issues, horrible things that happened in country, health issues, heart attacks, all this. But we need to honor these veterans as long as they are with us as much as we can. We are doing a potluck uh, barbecue. We've got a younger vet coming out, grilling meats and providing drinks. And this is just for Vietnam vets and Vietnam families, because we want to provide that sacred space for them, that connectivity for them, that safety for them. So any Vietnam vets listening, anybody that are family members of Vietnam vets, it is Tuesday, March 29th. We're asking potluck If people want to volunteer, please contact us to make food and drop food off at 1130. And then veterans and veteran families come out anytime, 1130 or 12. And they can find information on our website, Louise, at covranch.org. And I think you'll have that on your website as well.
0: Thank you so much, Allison and Gary.